Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Aligned Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Reese, and I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in. This podcast is for all of you who are tired of trying to run a business that just doesn't feel right. The strategies, the old school tactics, the pressure to be a certain type of agent, these are the things that are holding you back from truly creating success and not just the financial success. That's a given but the freedom and fulfillment you want that we all want. And as you will learn by following along on this podcast or joining me in my private Facebook group, all of the struggles you are facing can be transformed and everything you want for your life and business can be created when you're aligned with your truest self. Because the truth is it's not the strategies you've been using that don't work. It's that they don't work for you. And that's really my mission to help agents create the freedom, fulfillment, and financial success that they want by creating alignment with who they are rather than trying to be someone they aren't. And today's guest is going to share about her alignment journey and what she did to create an aligned seven figure business. Jess Linavell has been on my show before and I've asked her to come back. I absolutely adore this woman. Her willingness to share her insights, her expertise, and her wisdom in the industry. Jess's entry into real estate, guys, was not easy. In fact, part of what she's going to share with you today is one of the biggest obstacles that she had to face and overcome. And did she ever overcome it? She went from being told that she didn't have what it takes to be a successful realtor to building a multiple seven-figure business selling over $300 million in property. Today, Jess is enjoying her wildly successful business, teaching agents how to scale from a six to seven figure business without sacrificing their lifestyle or their freedom. She's totally speaking my language, and I know you guys are just going to get so much out of this conversation. So let's jump right to the call. Thank you for joining me again. I'm so happy to have you and I, and on short notice too, because, um, I, you know, we kind of connected after your social media posts, which we're going to talk about a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, to have you on here. But, um, for those of you who have not heard Jess before, she's been on my podcast. Oh gosh. It must've been a year already. It's been a while. <gasps> wow. Okay. So let's just say a year ago. So we're happy to have uh, Jess back. I'm personally happy to have her. I have uh, gotten to know her so much better uh, since that, uh, first interview. And so today we're going to be talking to you. Well, Jess is actually going to share a little bit about her personal experience growing up. And maybe before I even get there, I'll just kind of preface that social media post, which I think was very telling Mm. of the struggles that a lot of realtors face and really speaks to what I do and what you do for, for agents. So you had shared this, this post about how, when you first got into the business, you uh, were with Keller Williams. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should beep, beep. We won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not signed for us in any way, but no, uh, you, you had, uh, you know, uh, interviewed with Keller Williams and their part of their process onboarding process is to have you do a disc assessment. Now yeah. for, for my listeners, they know I'm disc certified. I mm-hmm. talk a lot about disc. And so mm-hmm. as soon as I read that in your post, I was like, ah, what, what, what's happening? What's she saying? <laughs> and you went on to share that, uh, the prof- the way they use the disc mm. was profiling you, uh, to say that you were either a leader or not basically saying you yeah. could either make it in this business or not. And so maybe you can just share a little bit about that and we can kind of dive in from there. For sure. And, you know, I was, keep in mind, I was really young. I was, I was 21. I was super impressionable. I had these big dreams, like these big grandiose dreams of what I was going to do in the business. And, you know, this was going to be like this decision for me to become a realtor was, you know, the, the pinnacle decision of my life up until that point. And I, you know, started at, K- at KW and they said, you know, we're going to do this assessment. And basically like, this is what we're looking for. They made, they actually made it clear before I took the test, mm-hmm. what they were looking for in terms of leadership and in terms of like the people who are truly successful, basically what they were doing is how can we put you in a box? Mm-hmm. And so I took the test. I was honest about it because I didn't know how to not be, <laughs> And I went through this, this whole thing. And guess what? Jess is not a high D. 
and, and like now Michelle knows me even, even better. And she knows that like, I am the opposite of a high B, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm introverted. I have, but, but over the years, I've really used my strengths that I have that are not those to create, you know, what I wanted and the businesses that I've, that I've had. But, you know, at the time it was kind of devastating. Yeah. I thought, oh, well, all of these strengths and all of these things that like, maybe I've been living in a bubble of my mom telling me that I'm great. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I actually don't have it. And it made me question, it made me question everything. It made me question, you know, what my dreams, who I thought I could be in the world, um, the things that I thought of as strengths, just because I wasn't this extroverted, you know, um, this extroverted version of a leader. So what was it? I mean, I, I, I know what they were looking for, and, mm-hmm. but what, maybe you can share with us, what was it that they had determined was a successful profile? So it's funny. Cause like, I still don't even really know entirely. Mm. I know that they were looking for someone that was dominant. So like a D mm-hmm. um, they were looking for someone who, you know, I think real, I mean, realistically, I'm not, I'm neither of the good things that people look for. I'm introverted and I'm not organized. (laughs) So realistically, like, I think that I'm just a joke from a profiling standpoint or what that, what I thought at the time was, oh man, like I, I, I can't even be an admin, (laughs) right? Because realistically, like I, you know, now, now I've had, I know so much more about myself and I'm what they call a systems breaker because I am what a lot of people will call a visionary, but it took me a long time to figure that out. And at the time I just thought I'm not a high D and I'm not organized and I'm not great building systems. So, you know, I guess that the only thing I can do is like kind of be a support. And that's basically what they told you was that, you know, based on your profile, whether you understand the the terminology of a DISC assessment, really the end result was, or the messaging that that they shared with you was, you're not cut out to be a a top producing realtor and you're probably best to be on the supporting end. Exactly. And, you know, in that post that I wrote that you referred to, imagine if I'd listened to them. Well, that's just it. Okay, so let's not jump ahead because I kind of want to <laughs> sit with, because I'm sure that people listening have kind of gone through either a similar situation or have had the similar thought process or fear of maybe I'm not cut out for this. So what was that in, in that moment when they're sharing this with you mm-hmm. or you're reading this, what was going through your head? You know, you, you, we hear like the, the term, like the wind, like they took the wind out of my sails, but it was like so much more traumatizing than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was actually more of, well, I, I don't have what it takes period. Mm. It's not even, I don't have what it takes in real estate. It was this, oh, other people who are successful are X. Mm-hmm. And you're not. Yeah. And so really, immediately, I tried to start faking it. So, I, so did you jump right in or did you kind of retreat for a little bit and, and, and succumb to, okay, I guess I'm not going to be that. So let me kind of take on a supportive role. Or were you just like, I'm not having any of this? <laughs> Kind of neither. It wasn't really like one or the other. I wish that I could have told, could tell you that I was like, no, screw the system. No, that wouldn't be characteristic of you. (laughs) No, not at all. That wasn't me. And, you know, so what I did was I just sort of like slowly started to like take some steps forward. And I tried to do the, the things the way that they told me that they needed to be done. Um, and it took me a couple of weeks or a couple of months for me to figure out, okay, you know what? I'm not the cold caller. I'm not the door knocker. This isn't me. This isn't what feels good. This isn't how I'm going to be successful. And there's a story that I tell a lot, um, as like, kind of like one of my origin stories that there was this brand new thing called Facebook. And I started, you know, I I made, I made an account. I started playing on Facebook a little bit. And real, like really, I realized that I could prospect, I call it now, I call it prospecting from your PJs, but (laughs) now I, that I could prospect without having to put myself out there so much. 
So it was kind of the best of both worlds. It was an untapped, it was an untapped resource at the time. And that's how I started building my business. And honestly, for me at the time, I didn't share what I was doing. People started asking like, oh, what are you doing? And they assumed I was doing the traditional things and that I was just pushing through my my fears, my introvertedness. Yeah. Um, But the truth really is that I didn't do it that way. And, And I stopped going to the trainings. I stopped going to all of the things that were making me feel like I was less than. Mm. Good for you. And so you basically rejected the culture. Totally. Uh, yeah. I wasn't there for very long. <laughs> you wasn't, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, you probably moved on. So it's funny that you, you bring up Facebook and I want you to talk a little bit about how you grew your business to really align with who you were. Cause that's really what we're, we're sort of, we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, but it's funny that you bring up Facebook and how it kind of felt more comfortable for you, or as mm-hmm. you now put it, prospecting your PJs, which is for all the introverts listening, <laughs> like the dream. <laughs> it is the dream. Um, but a lot of people are finding that now because of COVID, because business mm-hmm. has moved online and virtual through mm-hmm. Zoom, through all, the, all these other online platforms, that I'm starting to see those that maybe have shied away or used to shy away are, are honestly really thriving now yeah. uh, because they have, the, they have that comfort capacity. Mm-hmm. That they're, the way they're conducting their business is more aligned with who they are. Mm-hmm. So speak to, speak to more a little bit about, um, about what sort of came after that. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, it was just, I built my business on just having conversations online. I'm not so introverted that I can't have a conversation. I was going to say, I, you know, <laughs> if I was to peg your profile, I would say you're probably a low D you're a high I, but not extremely high I mm-hmm. you're a low S mm-hmm. and a low C. That sounds about right. Yeah. 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 So, and it's, and you know, we, we, I, and I say this often introvert, we have these uh, misconceptions about what introversion extroversion is, and it has nothing to do with whether you can, you know, talk to people or network or be okay in front of a a crowd. It's really where you collect your energy from. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can be out there but there's, you have a capacity for that. Everybody has I need to recharge. Yeah, yeah. I need to recharge with a T in front of some Netflix. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think too, you know, the idea of, and, and I, and I don't mean to say this in a way that like, if any, if, if anybody else uses these techniques, like all the power to you. Oh, listen, but, everything works. Yeah. There. And so this is my, my personal belief system. This is how I operate my brokerage business. This is how I coach agents everything works if it aligns with you. If I ask a fish, if I, that, that, you know, Einstein quote, if I judge a fish by its capability of, of climbing a tree, what good is that? That is not yeah. what, that's not the nature of the fish. So if it's not your nature to feel comfortable mm-hmm. getting out there, talking to people cold, being direct with door knocking, then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. So it's better to align. So everything works as long as you're doing it. And as long mm-hmm. as it aligns with who, who you are. A hundred percent. And I'm, and by no means am I saying, you know, don't get out of your comfort zone because everything is going to require that. But I remember when I first started doing things online, I would get nervous sending a message. And then over time you get to a point where it's just, you know, it's, it's just another day. But I think the thing that really stuck with me was I didn't have to give so much of myself away in order to be successful. I didn't have to exhaust myself. And that was something that was really kind of important in terms of my growth or my ability to build the business that I wanted. Because if you are introverted, the time that you spend with clients, even if it's one-on-one can still be draining Mm -hmm. because you're technically on. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if your entire business is built on, you know, manual in-person prospecting, open houses, door knocking, cold calling, all of that stuff. And then the rest of your time is spent with clients. You're going to feel pretty tired at the end of every day. And you may not actually be able to refill your cup before you do it again. Yeah. And you know, so it speaks to capacity and sustainability. Mm-hmm. We all have a capacity. I think it's important that everybody understands what their capacity is and is honest yeah. in, about it uh, and, and structure your day according to it. But even the sustainability, I see people that plow through, like, mm-hmm. I know this is not comfortable, but I'm, gonna, I'm determined. And, yeah. and they do it and they achieve success and they mm-hmm. get things done, but they can't upkeep it. 
No, because really at the end of the day, we are who we are. And I think too, that trying to fight your nature and trying to fight what actually is natural to you is the most exhausting thing you can do in your life, in your business period. So a lot of what I have done over the years is figure out what actually works for me, what works, what works, but also what works for me. Um, and how I actually want my days to look, not I have moved or changed or designed my business for my lifestyle and not the other way around. Love it. Say I know I'm again. speaking your language right now. Say, well, it's listen, it that's exactly what it's about. It's yeah. it's about designing a business around your life, not yeah. the other way around. And if you let the business dictate, it will. If you allow all this space to be filled up and you're not being intentional about what you want to fill it with, mm-hmm. other things are going to fill it. It's just the laws of nature. It's going, yeah. That's exactly the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You have to take intentional time off. Yeah. You have to, you know, manage. And a lot of the time we hear a lot about time management. <laughs> it's not time management. No. It's energy management. Yep. And different people require different levels of energy management. I am one of those people who requires a lot of energy management. (laughs) And I used to think that that made me weak Mm. or it made me, you know, it was something that I hid from people. But now it's something that I talk about all the time because, you know, if I'm on the extreme and I can still be successful and I can still build businesses and I can still, you know, get everything done that needs to get done in an efficient, effective way, then all the power to me. Right. And, and I think too, that it's so important that we understand that there's an element of overcoming a lot of patterns and a lot of stigma when we don't fit the perfect mold that everyone's trying to put us in. And it kind of starts, (laughs) it starts with like, like stop, like not judging yourself the way that everyone else wants to judge you. It's funny. It's funny as you're saying that because my, my post today on social media was me, uh, sharing how I use. So I've been in the, in the business for over 20 years. I started in real estate when there was no such thing as computers. I've been there through its evolution. I, the industry is still predominantly set up to push the traditional methods. Again, not wrong. Nothing is right or wrong. It's what's right or wrong for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's funny. So today, today's post was really me sharing how I used to coach agents mm-hmm. to make those calls, make sure everybody knows you're in business, do this, do this, get out there, door knock. And I knew it didn't feel right because it didn't feel right for me. Yeah. I, you know, I would see the agents thrive who were like that. They, they fit that mold, that, that you know, uh, profile. But the ones that didn't um, weren't successful. And they weren't able to get past that because we were forcing them into this box that mm-hmm. you had experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, it, you know, I kind of use the, the saying, you know, who is the industry anyways? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was who my day. Who, who, who are they? Who are yeah. these people? Who's the industry? And what is normal? Normal is a setting on a dryer. It has nothing to do with defining who's going to be successful in this business or not. Yeah. So yeah. as you were speaking, that's, it, it was kind of coming to me. It's like, yeah, this whole push for normal, just because your capacity is this doesn't mean it's normal, not normal. It just means that's right for you. And don't set up your business. If you have a lower capacity than the people who have higher capacities, don't set up your business that's based purely on your output. Oh my God. So <laughs> yes, yes and yes. And, it's, and so especially if you have, a family. Yes. Because your work doesn't end with your work. No. You still have to come home and have parent-teacher meetings and bring your kids to their sporting events, which means you're probably going to have to socialize. And if you've gone all day long being on and you don't have time to come home and retreat because you know you have all these meetings, you've just set your whole entire day up for drain, exhaustion, and we know resentment. where that leads, resentment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, truly. You end up hating what you do. You end up yeah. resenting people then for calling you, yeah. <laughs> which is the very thing you should be welcoming. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really the energy management of how you've set up your day. Mm-hmm. And I think too, there's so many people out there who judge themselves on the fact that they can't go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And, you can, and everybody can for a period of time, but then you have the crash. 
And I think that there's people who won't crash. And if you're one of those people who does crash, then you have to understand that like, this is a cycle that's not going to stop. You're, you're literally, what you're doing is you're, you're emptying the battery every day. And eventually that battery is not going to recharge to full. So it really becomes about how can you be more efficient, right? If people who are, who have less energy outlay abilities, Mm -hmm. call it that we have to be more efficient than the next person. We have to be more efficient. We have to be more, every conversation has to be more efficient. Every, um, every social outing has to be more efficient. You have to say no right? Like you've, you've got, and that's a hard, that, that is a hard one, especially for the agents that are already, they already have this underlying underpinning of not being enough. Yeah. And I've been there. Mm -hmm. I know you and I have dialogued, you've been there. And what Mm -hmm. ends up happening when you're in that space is you end up overcompensating. Oh, not being enough. And then you're saying, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yep. 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 And you end up overextending yourself and you end up taking on more than you can chew. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you grow resentful and then you grow exhausted and then you, you end up burning out. And then you end up crying when your phone rings, (laughs) which is my story. Yeah. So tell, I'm not sure if we shared that on the last podcast, but you know what? Let's share it again because it is, it's, it it speaks to, okay. So wait, before we get there, because we're losing, we're losing track here. Uh, No, we're not losing track. It's actually perfect. Everything that you're, you're, you're sharing is perfect. But so you started doing your business online. Yes basically is what happened. You started venturing out into Facebook, figuring mm-hmm. out that this is, this is something that works for you energetically. It works yeah. for you, uh, you know, systematically. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened from there? Your business took off so, overnight or? No, of course not. So, so what I actually did initially was I, I just overflyered because before I found Facebook, I was, re- or before I started u- like using Facebook, I was like, how can I get in front of people without having to get in front of people? So I spent a fortune on flyers. I flyered everything and everyone. And what I realized was I was like, this is actually not, this is actually not going to bear fruit the way that I was hoping it would. So I, you know, I had to make a choice of like, okay, you can't just keep flyering over. You can't spend all of, because flyers are really expensive really expensive if they're done well. And it was just got to a point where it was like prohibitive from a money Mm -hmm. standpoint because I was new. So I, uh, I, so then Facebook, I started prospecting in Facebook classifieds, people who were posting about even rentals, because a lot of the time what I was able to do is build trust and get that person to actually buy instead of rent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I kind of built my business that way, just having conversations and kind of meeting people kind of where they were at and educating them and giving value, which is still something that is so crucial to what I do and what I teach. It's the idea of give before you ask, serve before you sell. And that for me actually felt good. If you are introverted, you do not feel good being this hard salesperson. It doesn't feel in alignment. It doesn't feel correct for you. So a lot of it had to do with me figuring out what felt good and how could I ask in a way that didn't feel like I was trying to like take someone's wallet out of their pocket. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so, so really like a lot of what I learned over the years was, me trialing and testing not only what was working, but also what was working for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of that came down to, um, giving, giving value, creating content that was beneficial for them, educational for them, um, helping build their relationships. They wanted, and the, the one thing that I knew right off the bat is they wanted to know about me. They didn't only want the focus to only be on them, which is also something that I teach, which is the personal content is just as, as, as important as the authority content. Isn't People- it shocking <laughs> that, that it, it is really so basic? If you yeah. just take a look at how humans make decisions, it is, it, it's, it's so natural, yet we make it feel so foreign. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just, it's basic psychology. It's being human. It's how would you approach someone who, if you weren't trying to sell them something, right? (laughs) Right. How would you build that relationship? How would you be like a normal human? 
and then go from there. And I think that like, it was just, it, it took time. Um, I got myself kind of manually to a point where I had a really solid, really great six figure business. Um, and then I wanted to take it to the next level. And so in came ads and automation and me kind of trialing and testing how to do this at scale. And we basically which is, took, which is a whole world in itself. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very, very lucky. I um, found this incredible marketer brain that could help me with all of this. And then I married him. And he keep them close, Jess. Keep them, keep them close. close. Most profitable partnership I've ever made. But he, um, he and I kind of figured out how to take the things that I knew and that I'd always done, and how to do it on a larger and larger scale. And it's still the way that we do things. It's still the way that I meet people. Everything in my business, even today, is attraction and inbound. Um, I don't chase. I, I can't do it. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't feel good to me. And it's just not, it's not a part of like my DNA. No, no, it's not, it's not your core. It that doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't align with your values. It doesn't align with your strengths. It doesn't align with how you actually want to do the business. Mm-hmm. So, so you started mentioning about the phone call. And of course I know, I know the story, but at what point then in your business, did you realize you had to shift? And I know a big, a big part of what you do with, with realtors in your program is taking them from six to seven figures. And you always yeah. say six figures is the most painful place to be. So can you sh- speak to a little bit about that? Yeah. So I say that because when you're at six figures, you still have to do everything on your own. You have to be that lone wolf. You are the administrator and the lead and the lead agent and the showing assistant and the like and the accountant and the bookkeeper. Client care and yeah, everything. You're everything. You're everything. And so from a time and energy capacity output, like it's a lot. Whether you're doing paperwork or not, you're you doing paperwork is still taking energy from you over you sitting in the bathtub and reading a book, mm-hmm. right? You're not recharging while you're doing paperwork. It just may be the part of the job that feels the least painful. Yes. But the truth really is, is that you actually, like you need to get to that next level because that next level actually allows more freedom and more spaciousness. Most people who come into the industry are looking for three major things. They're looking for time and spaciousness, mm-hmm. freedom. They're looking for uh, unlimited income. And most introverts are also looking for some sort of an impact. Yeah. They want to help people. And if you, a lot of the time what ends up happening when you're doing everything on your own, you can have the helping people part. The other two don't grow. You don't have more space, more time, more freedom. And you also end up, you become the limiting factor in your business in terms of income. You become the income ceiling. You become the bottleneck. Yeah. And so if you're truly going to have all three of those things and you're not one of those people who's going to go and, you know, speak on stages every single day and, you know, be the networking king of, I mean, I just almost said the sausage king of Chicago, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be that networking king out there. You have to figure out ways to do it more efficiently. You have to be able to do things at scale. And so that also requires you growing your business to a point where you actually can automate, lead generate and leverage. And that costs money. Yes, it does. And so how do you, how do you, um, train agents to do that? Yeah. So we've got a couple of different, th- a couple of different ways. So from a lead generation standpoint, like there's a little, there's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle, mm-hmm. but from a lead generation standpoint, we teach attraction marketing. So we teach a nine point psychological journey that helps people get someone from stranger to client without them having to manually nurture them. Manual nurturing is really to the, to the extent that we're taught to do it. You're like, you're all the touch points. You're, you know, at the end of the day, what's going to end up happening is you're either going to annoy them or they're going to do something with you because you called at the right time. Mm -hmm. You're not actually nurturing these people when you're doing it manually. Um, because then the actual psychological nurturing that, that that's required for someone to think of you first, trust, you know, you, you not having to sell yourself is far more than just making a couple of calls. So we teach a nine point psychological journey, which is disseminated through content. 
And so that content can be used organically on social media, but it can also use, be used automated in an automated way through retargeting. So we use both, both paid options and organic options, depending on where you are in your business. Right. right. So the other thing that you need to focus on as well is operations, standard operating procedures so that, you know, a lot of us are kind of micromanagers. And if we want to be able to get to that next step, we have to have people be able to do things the way that we want them done, but not have to do them ourselves. Right. And so whenever we're looking at a task audit or we're looking at someone's tasks day to day, we look at three things and then we ask three questions. Can this be eliminated? Can this be automated? And then can it be outsourced? The real estate industry in the past has always outsourced first. And it's the least effective and least efficient and the most expensive way of Mm -hmm. doing it. So a lot of the things that we're doing on a day to day, we don't even realize it are actually redundant or don't need to be done the way that we're doing them. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that we've always done them. So we keep doing the things the way that we've always done them. So, and this is a, this is a Tim Ferriss thing. This isn't a just thing. So I learned this from Tim Ferriss. Nothing nothing is new in our, nothing is new in the world. We, it it just gets recycled and revamped and the messages get changed because Mm -hmm. this is, this is where we're at. Yeah. hundred percent. So he's the guy who wrote the four hour work week. He's brilliant. And so this is the order in which I learned how to do it from him. So elimination automation, can it be made more efficient? Can it be automated? Is there a piece of software that can do this? Because a piece of software that costs 150 bucks a month is going to be a lot cheaper and a lot less accident prone than, than someone who you're going to hire. That's going to cost you $30,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So then the, the outsourcing part, whether it's VAs, whether it's an assistant, whether it's a showing assistant, whether it's a team, like an actual like sales rep that you have join your team, all of it is going to be more expensive than the automation first. So the automation comes first. Um, and that's the order that we do things in. And a lot of it just comes down to, do we have the data points that we need in order to make those decisions from an actual educated standpoint? So, so there's all of these things that can be done that will buy back more time. Then when you do get to a point where you are outsourcing or you are you know, leveraging in terms of like team, there's always this feeling of, well, why would I pay someone to do it if I can do it myself? The truth really is, is once you get to that point, you're buying back your time. And, and isn't that exactly, and, and that really is the place that I think majority of people want to be, I, especially I think in our industry, you don't, and I say this, and I'm pretty sure the stats are still true. We're still predominantly second, third, fourth career path. This industry is mostly that. And by the time you're making those decisions, they're very lifestyle based. And Mm -hmm. the whole point is to have time freedom, to be able to have more time to spend picking up your kids or, you know, taking on a hobby or traveling more, whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, And, and yet we, you know, most people stay on the hamster wheel Mm -hmm. and never end up exchanging their energy for time freedom. A hundred percent. And, and I think that it's a very scarcity driven way of looking at it. I have time. Therefore I'm not, you know, if you have to pay someone $20 an hour to do something, then do you value your, is your time? Are you worth more than $20 an hour? And the answer should be yes. If you're growing a business. So if you, if you value yourself at $500 an hour, anything that's less than $500 an hour can and should at a certain point in your business be handed off. So do you think that is more of a, um, a psychological barrier than for people in that they're, they're undervaluing themselves? Mm -hmm. I think absolutely. And it's something that we we all struggle with, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have, I have a coach and he, his hourly, you know, rate, like what he believes he's worth an hour is around $10,000. Jeez. So anything that is like, not that goes to the, goes to his team mm-hmm. and that, and let me just mention too, he's 29 years old. Wow. He's not 65. He hasn't right. been in the industry forever. He is, um, he's young and he's knowledgeable and he's effective. And I think that that's all, that's something we can all learn from because we all have this inherent, imposter syndrome, right? right? It's inherent. <laughs> that's, a, 
that is just going to be a whole other, it's a whole other episode, whole other episode. <laughs> but we all have this thing in us that says we aren't worth it. Or, you know, what's like, we, we value money more than we value time. And this is going to come across as cliche, but money is renewable and time is not. Mm-hmm. And so if you value money more than you value time, you will always be stuck in this cycle or this pattern. But as soon as you change that and you make an adjustment and you value time over money, then you're able to actually create more spaciousness and create more money because everything is going to be done more efficiently and more effectively because you are, I mean, you can make a million dollars and work three hours a day. It can be done. It's just a matter of like this. I did a live stream on this literally an hour ago, which is so interesting that this is coming up. Um, it's It's this idea that we have to struggle and we have to hustle and grind to be successful. Yes. <laughs> this is one of the roots of our industry, which sets people up for burnout. Yep. That right there is, is it. We believe it has to be hard. Yep. And guess what? Plain and simple. It doesn't. And the people who are the most, most successful are the people who make it easy. Yeah. Because they value their time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, do you, what do you say to new, new agents who, cause I know that there's people listening and they're going, okay, in theory, this sounds great. Mm-hmm. You don't have money to spend. If you don't have that money. Uh, and this is, this is, this is a, uh, a very common coaching message given to new agents when they start, well, you have all the time in the world. So don't go spend the money on this mm-hmm. do it yourself because mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. you have. How, how do you get people out of that? thought process. So you can go slow or you can go fast and it's up to you. And if you want to go slow, you're going to go really slow. (laughs) And if you want to go fast, then you learn from people who've done it already and have a proven system and add fuel to the fire. The same thing goes with ads. And I say this to people all the time. They're like, well, I don't want to spend money on ads. I'm not ready yet. Well, fine, but it's going to be slow. And, you know, when I, people will say to me, I have this, like, you know, this like headline story that like, you know, at one point I went from zero to seven figures in six months. How did you do it? It's impossible. No, it's not impossible. I had no money, but I had a $30,000 line of credit. Mm. And I said, do I want to go slow or do I want to go fast? And the truth really was I wanted to go fast. And I was almost in a desperate situation where I was like, I need to go fast. And so I used that line of credit and I went fast. And the return on what I spent was absolutely massive, as it always is. Whether it's ad spend, whether it's coaching, whether it, whatever it is. Like I said, I have a coach that charges $10,000 an hour. And I, every single time I talk to him, guess what? I'm making more than that back because I'm getting what I need. It's efficient and it's effective. Do I get on a call with him and do I talk about the weather? Absolutely not. <laughs> I am incredibly efficient when I get on a call with him because trust me, I know what it's costing and it's also costing my time. So I'm spending an hour on a call with someone I'm paying $10,000 for it, but also what am I worth an hour? Right? So it's, it's all compounds. And when you look at things that way and you value your time the way that it really should be valued, you know, at the end of your life, would you pay $100,000 to have an extra couple of days? Of course you would, right? And so there's really this concept of how do we make things as easy as possible, as efficient as possible, so that the most amount of time that you can is spent doing something else, wasting time. (laughs) Enjoying time. Enjoying time. Enjoying time. You know, if I had a choice between, you know, doing administrative work or going for a walk with my husband, I would pay someone 30 bucks to do that administrative work for an hour and go for that walk. So what I'm picking up on from you, Jess, is you have clarity. It's taking time though. Yeah. And and it is, it absolutely is a process to Mm -hmm. be that clear on what your, what your time is worth, how much you value, what you value. Mm -hmm. You've essentially created an aligned business. 
you've identified what your strengths are. You've identified how you like to work and how you don't like to work. Mm -hmm. You've figured out your pacing. Do I want to go fast? Do I want to go slow? It's none of it's right or wrong. It's just what is right for you. And so you've really sat and honored that place and your beliefs and your values of what you want now, what Mm -hmm. you want six months from now and what you want a year from now. Totally. And you know, a lot of that, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about saying no, Mm -hmm. I've had to say no more than I've said yes. And, you know, there's even, I've been given massive partnership opportunities and I've said not that way because I value my time and my team's time. So, you know, a partnership opportunity that could, could be a big opportunity. Great. But it has to make sense from day one. It can't be, I'm not going to buy into the potential of something. I need to know that it's a good deal from day one. And this is also something that requires a lot of um, really solidifying your worth of what, what is my time worth? What is my team's time worth? And making decisions not based on your ego, making decisions based on what's real. And my coach says all the time, you have a choice. You can fill your ego account or you can fill your bank account, but you very rarely can fill both at the same time. Mm. And so that always comes up for me where I'm thinking, am I filling my ego account here or is this actually going to fill my bank account and making the decision to fill the bank account and not the ego account? Because really my ego, what it's doing is trying to keep me feeling good and feeling safe. Well, I'm important. See? Exactly. I'm exactly. doing this. Yes. Yeah. That's, it's, Look the at same, me. it's the same vicious cycle as being busy versus productive. Yeah. It, fee- it feeds you the same way. Yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't or, agree more. Or starves <laughs> you, depending on how yeah. you want to look at it. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you, you talk about uh, saying no, and you, you were uh, alluding to, um, a, you know, bursting into tears mm. with a phone call. Maybe she, if you can share a little bit about that part of your journey, because I think that there's a lot of people who, who reach that. Uh, it might look a different way. It might have a different, you know, um, uh, picture to it. But mm-hmm. we, I, I think we can all kind of relate to being at this point where it's like, I can't do it anymore. And I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I think for me, it was very much, everybody wants something from me and I have nothing left for myself. And, um, and I've taught, I, I, you know, I've gotten to seven figures alone and then I've also gotten to seven figures in profit with a team. And I think that there's a very different type of mentality that it requires both ways. So I did it in my opinion, the wrong way the first time. And I remember that. Well, because I hustled my way, Mm. I hustled my way there. And I remember, um, I remember, you know, buying our dream house, having the dream car, feeling like everyone else thought that I'd made it, but I was exhausted. And I kept thinking, I can't keep this up. I can't keep this up. I, I you know, I, am I going to be 40 years old and doing and, and feeling like this? Like, how can I do this? And at the time I was like, I was in my twenties mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't, I can't even imagine doing this for another two years, let alone another 15 years. And there was this one moment where I was, I finally had a minute. I was sitting on my couch and my phone rang. And I looked at my phone, I burst into tears, I handed it to my husband, and I was like, you answer it. (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean? I don't know what to say. And I was like, I don't care what you say. I was like, you answer it, or throw it out the window. You were done. I was done. I was like, I cannot keep going like this. And a lot that I had no boundaries. The, 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 the option of not answering the phone was not an option. Someone had to answer it, but it wasn't going to be me. And I had no boundaries around it. And I think that there's an element of like, you know, I, I see sometimes ads from agents who are like, you know, I I'm available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm like, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Jess is ready to hop through the computer. No, that's not a good thing. And you you know what? Your clients don't need that. 
But that's in the, again, it's an attempt at demonstrating value. value. Yeah. And that's not your value. You being a slave to your clients is not your value. Your value is a signature process, a proven system, you know, your experience. It's not the fact that you will jump every time they want you to. That's not, and that's not a business. That's a hustle. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. No. And the thing is, is that like, I think too many agents are looking and and structuring themselves as small solopreneur businesses. And the goal, that shouldn't be the goal. You shouldn't want to be the one man show. You should be, okay, I have to be the one man show for a little while before I can build a real business. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that, and and I I hear what you're saying when you say, you know, going from that six to seven uh, figure, staying in that six figure space is painful because Mm. you bump up against your beliefs, limiting beliefs, Mm -hmm. fears, um, not able to let go, fear of what that might look like, trust comes up because all of a sudden now it's not you. And, you know, we've, and it's interesting again, because I've been in the industry for, for so long and I've been a part of the culture of don't share, Mm -hmm. don't share. Like we, I grew up in the industry of pocket listings. You hold it in your pocket and you don't show anybody your cards. And that's been the philosophy. That's the underpinning of how a lot of people have been raised and trained and groomed in the industry. And so scarcity it, yes. And so you, you come in then into uh, this place where you're bumping up into it's either I'm going to continue like this. Well, actually the choices are, (laughs) this is it. And this is the most I'm going to make. And this is the best it's going to get. Or I have to do more. I want to do more, but I can't do it alone. And so then mm-hmm. what, what does that look like? And it becomes, it becomes a uh, trust. It's, 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 there's a lot of trust. Yeah. And, but there's also organization. If you don't have a standard operating procedure for something, how can you expect someone else to do it the way that you do it? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's also about training and learning and taking radical responsibility for the, the things that you are providing your team. A lot of the time people will blame administrators or blame team members for things that they haven't, sh- they haven't taught them. And so it really becomes like, is this a, hus- a hustle for you or is this a real business? Cause if it's a real business, you're going to have systems, you're going to have operations, you're going to have standard operating procedures. You're going to have training. You're going to have onboarding procedures. When you bring on new team members, you're going like, to have hours of operation. You're going to have, yeah, a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a free-for-all. And if, yes, in the beginning, it's always going to be faster for you to do it yourself. But that's not the point. The point is, is it scalable? And if it's not scalable because only you can do it, then you actually have, you have, you have a, what's the right word? I guess you have like a red flag in your business that needs to be addressed, Mm -hmm. right? That's not a good thing. Just you being good at all the things is not always a good thing. <laughs> it, that, there's that ego bucket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what advice, uh, just before we kind of close out here, mm-hmm. what, what advice do you have for um, agents who are listening right now who are stuck in that place of, I can't grow beyond this. Like I'm at my capacity. What next? So first of all, this kind of comes in two parts. Um, where do you want to be 10 years from now? What do you want your days to look like? Not how much money do you want to make? What do you want your days to look like? What do you want your life to look like? How much money do you want to have in the bank? How much free time do you want to have? What do you want to be doing with that free time? You have to be specific. Mm -hmm. And then you work backwards from there because that's what you're building. People sometimes grow just for the sake of growth. And it's not actually correct for everyone. The second thing that you want to ask yourself is, okay, I can't grow past this level. Why do you want to grow past this level? What is the reason for it? Is it more for the sake of more? Is it your ego? Do you want to hit on a, like a certain award? Real estate awards, in my opinion, are kind of silly. But um, do you everyone's want to number certain, one. <laughs> everyone's number one. But, you know, do you want to hit a certain level? But why? Is this for your ego? Because that's not, it's never going to be enough. 
if for you to break patterns, for you to shift your mindset, for you to go through the hard stuff that require that's required of scaling, you have to have a bigger reason. And guess what? It should probably be selfish. Way too many people's whys are not themselves. Way too many people's whys are, I want, want to martyr myself for my children, or I want to martyr myself for this other person. And if it's not, if you don't have a personal stake in it, and if, it, if it's not going to improve your day-to-day, at some point, it's not going to be enough. Beautifully said. I, 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 I love the way you wrap that up because it, again, it comes down to alignment, which is what we talk about on yeah. the show. Um, it's about having the clarity of what your vision is. Mm-hmm. Are you doing things because you're stuck in a habit of doing them that way? Yeah. Are you doing them because you're modeling after somebody else? Yeah. Uh, I always use the analogy of the shiny frame. Like what shiny frame? What, what picture is in that shiny frame? What is it yeah. that you're trying to achieve? Is, yeah. it, is that what you really, really want? Or is yeah. that just the expected next step? Like mm-hmm. I'm here and I'm supposed to be number one. I'm supposed to be at this level. Everyone else is doing this. Everyone so. else is doing it. Therefore, this must be the way it needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about, about coming back in alignment with your thoughts, with your beliefs, with your values, and with your vision. Amazing. Jess, thank you. I love, I'm so happy that you uh, were able to join us today. And I know we're going to have you back on the show again. I have to. Uh, You have to. to. You have to. (laughs) Yes, definitely. We're going to have to do something. We said this the last time too, actually. I know. Not a year from now. Not a year from now. We're going to have to do something um, together and and, and, uh, we definitely will. Mm-hmm. But um, if people want to find you, where is the mm-hmm. best place for them to reach you? Um, I guess Instagram is probably the easiest, fastest. Um, my, and my handle is just at Jess Lonovel. Perfect. L-E-N-O-U-V-E-L. Hard name as well. <laughs> totally not hard. <laughs> and I will leave all of that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Jess. Well, there you have it. Do you see why I love her so much? Just her energy and her experience and her genuineness to really want to share what has worked, what hasn't for her. And that's really what it's all about. It's about finding what is going to align with you, your strengths, your vision, your dreams, the way you want to be, the way you want to show up and how you want to feel. And, um, I hope you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did really just, you know, want to thank Jess for sharing sharing her journey, um, how she got into the industry, that big struggle that she faced that could have easily steered her away. And I'm so glad that she didn't listen because she's doing amazing work in our industry with her agents. Um, and I'm just, I'm so proud of her. So Jess, thank you so much for those of you who want to find out more about Jess and her program, the listings lab method, you can uh, head on over to the, this show's website at www.michellereci.com forward slash episode 60. I will leave all of her contact links there. And as she said, you can follow her on Instagram. And if you loved what was shared here today. I would be so grateful if you took a moment to head on over to Apple podcasts, iTunes, and left me a review. Tell me what you got out of today, um, what you're enjoying about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, I would love for you to join us in our private Facebook group where we can carry on this conversation about how to become an aligned agent. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. And I look forward to chatting with you guys again, same time, same place next week. Bye for now.